Hi, this is Ben Lola, back to the Bible Canada. How do you find a proper balance between work and rest? Well, on today's program, Dr. Neufeld will continue our series in the book of Genesis, He Made Me Human, with a message on finding rest in a restless world. We live in a hectic world. Studies show that most North Americans are sleep-deprived. There's so much running through your mind, so many things to do, so many things left undone, so many problems to solve, so many bad things that could happen. And then there was that scary movie last night. You know, I find it amusing that all the technological time-saving devices that we have actually make our lives, yeah, busier. Take the cell phone. What a great idea. It allows us to make phone calls at any time. Sounds fabulous because now I'm available to customers and clients and friends without having to be behind my desk at work. Perhaps now I'll have more time to get away from the office and relax. But it hasn't turned out that way. Cell phones are now personal computers, and now they dominate our lives, and there's not one moment when we're ever away from work. See, on top of that, we're trying to fit in family and friends and entertainment into an already busy life. What a rat race. I frequently speak with people who will tell me they're simply too busy, and I rarely speak with people who tell me that they're not. In fact, we think that busyness is a badge of honor. It's our way of saying that we're really quite important people. After all, we're busy. The result is that many of us are incapable of resting. If we're not doing something, we have a vague feeling that we should be because probably something we haven't thought of is left undone. And there's a dis-ease in our souls. We simply don't know how to be quiet, and the results are everywhere. Stress, high blood pressure, chest pains, a lack of inner peace, a lack of purpose, a growing sense of anger, and even depression are all symptoms of restlessness. Here's the secret. You were created to know both activity and rest. You were to have a balance. Let's read Genesis 2, 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Today, we're looking at only three verses in our study of Genesis, only three verses, but it's inappropriate to pass by these verses too quickly. These three verses demand we stop and consider. Something unexpected, something overwhelming happens in these three verses. So what is that thing? God rests. You'll have noticed that the creation of the world was effortless for God. He was not at all tired after six days. God hasn't broken out into a sweat. He certainly didn't need to rest, but he does. Now, why? Well, the first reason is because his work is finished. We're not left with a picture of God now still tinkering with a world to work out the bugs. There's nothing else to do. The world that God has made perfectly expresses what it was designed to do. See, our world is a marvelous, complex, and dependable system. The laws of nature work. We don't wake up in the morning wondering whether the sun is going to rise or whether gravity is still in effect. This, of course, does not mean that God is not necessary, for as David said in Psalm 3, verse 5, I lie down and sleep, I wake again, because the Lord sustains me. God not only sustains us, He sustains the whole world. His care of the world is constant. It exists at His permission, and if He turned away, it would cease to exist immediately. But that's the point. God is not turning away. 
He's consistent, he's faithful, reliable, and sure. And because of that, he can rest on the seventh day. Rest is an expression of the nature of God. It's of course true that by the time we come to Genesis chapter 3, something terrible enters into the creation. I mean, sin enters into the world to disturb the orderly creation. The world no longer functions in such a way that it once did. All things are now in rebellion to their creator. And the orderly world seems changed. The world is now a place where nature seems out of whack and can even destroy us. See, whereas Genesis 1 tells us that God spoke order into the chaos, chaos seems to have re-entered the creation. And chaos has entered into our lives as well. Wars, hatred, strife, crime, lying, stealing, divorce, disease, all of this stuff now happens to our lives. And God on the seventh day knows that all of this is going to happen, and yet he rests. You know, someone said, if I knew my business project was going to encounter that many problems, I'd be hard at work the next day. But God isn't. He rests. Why? See, I've always loved 1 Peter 1 verse 20. Speaking about Jesus, it says, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake. Put quite simply, God planned Jesus' cross before Genesis 1-1. All of his plans for this world had already been perfectly laid. God created the world with a cross in mind. And so by the seventh day, God was settled and rested. Everything was perfect. He had taken care of every single detail, even the details in the future. Nothing was forgotten. Nothing needed to be done. You know, one of the reasons we can't rest is because our work is never done. I mean, moms will tell you that a mother's work is never done. I was a pastor for 35 years, and I'll tell you, moms, yours is not the only work that was never done. Older parents will tell you that even when their kids get married and have kids of their own, their job as a parent is never done. Business people tell you it just never stops. A lot of you feel just that way. That's why you have stress. But let me give you a first lesson on rest. God's work is done. It is complete. And if you are trusting in him, then please note that everything that is happening to you today was anticipated by God when he made the world, and it is within God's finished and settled work. The first lesson on rest is the lesson of faith. God has taken care of you already. God rests. Second, God is content with what he has done. He ended the sixth day by pronouncing that it was very good. The created world was the best possible world that God could make. It was perfect. He never looked at it and wondered if he could have done more. There was no more to do. And third, therefore God has made the seventh day a holy day. This is the only day God blesses. I mean, prior to this, we're told that God blessed the birds and the fish and the animals, and then we are told that he blessed man, but never are we told that God blessed a day. The implication here is that this day is different from all other days. It is holy. Now, perhaps some of you don't understand the word holy. You know, Kathy and I have holy cutlery in our house. It's actually in a box in which every piece of it has its own personal holder. This is not run-of-the-mill stuff. We pull it out for special occasions, and that's what holy means. It means it's set apart from the mundane not intended for ordinary use. God intended that one day out of seven be a day that is different from the mundane. And so one of the reasons God rested is to lay down a pattern for our lives in an order which forms the basis of successful living. Let me show you how it works. 
Exodus 20 verses 8 to 11 gives us the fourth of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, the institution of the Sabbath in Israel is grounded on God's pattern in Genesis 1. Sabbath-keeping for Israel was formed as an imitation of God. And this imitation of God contained a huge benefit to Israel. I mean, first, rest was to be achieved by celebrating the Sabbath. For Israel, everything flowed in sevens. Every seventh day was a day in which you stopped working. You simply stopped. You did absolutely no work at all, except for whatever bare minimum was required. Whatever was undone on Friday night was left undone until Saturday night. Twenty-four hours passed without anyone doing any work at all. The entire country just shut down. And by the way, that's how things used to be here in Canada. If you're old enough, you'll remember that it used to be against the law to open up your business on Sunday. I mean, there were exceptions, but if you didn't meet the exception, you were forced to close. That's how it was in Israel. All work stopped. Cell phones stopped ringing. Computers were shut off. No one signed business deals on that day. Shoppers all stayed home. Streets were quiet. Everyone rested. Everything flowed in sevens. You rested on the seventh day. On the seventh year, you had a sabbatical, and you did no field work all year. Then after seven times seven years, after 49 years, on the 50th year, you forgave people all their debts so their whole community would find rest from the oppression of debts. This was a liberating way to live. It gave peace. But there is more than that, of course. When Moses repeats the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, he adds a further reason for celebrating the Sabbath. Sabbath is about more than doing no work. Here's what Moses says. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. It's true that we live in a very restless world and our lists of tasks and duties, well, it's never done whether in the workplace or at home. But in this introduction, we're getting a sense of how we should begin to think about the idea of rest or Sabbath. God is the one who ordained rest, not only for our good, but so that we would learn to remember what he's done in our lives. After the break, we'll continue discovering the proper meaning of Sabbath and how we can apply a day of rest amidst our busy routines. Hi, this is Ben Lowell from Back to the Bible Canada. You know, we believe teaching is critical for God's people. And your support is critical in making the daily Bible teaching program with Dr. John Newfeld available on this station. But we know there's times when you may miss a day. So we want to remind you of all the opportunities available for free for your use and your convenience. At backtothebible.ca, you can search through a library of messages and series, both audio and video. And you can subscribe to our ministry podcast, YouTube channels, mobile applications, and print resources. All the details to be found at backtothebible.ca. Our desire is to provide Bible teaching you can trust to as many people in as many places in as many ways as possible. For more information or to support these Bible teaching efforts, 
call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. Sabbath was intended to remember what God had done. You're supposed to remember the bondage of your fathers and the miracles of God and why you had the blessings you did. If you didn't rest, if you just kept working, you'd never remember. If you didn't rest, life would stop making sense. And if life stopped making sense, you would get disattached from God. You'd forget Him, the one who gave you blessings. Eventually, in the end, the blessings themselves would stop. But resting and remembering aren't the only things that happened on the Sabbath. Sabbath is really all about time. God could have created the world in one day, but he didn't. He took six to mark off the boundaries of time. Ordered time is one of God's gifts to the creation. Listen to what Asaph says in Psalm 74. He said, The day is yours, and yours also the night. You established the sun and the moon. It was you who set up all the boundaries of the earth. You made summer and winter. See, the dividing up of time means that it's possible to invest certain times with particular significance. Not all time is weighted the same way. Being there at the birth of your child is more significant than inking that multi-million dollar deal, although both of them may take the same amount of time. See, our society has trouble with this. I mean, we talk about wasting time. We wonder if we're late to an appointment. We want to fit many activities in one day, all without asking what the time means. But in biblical terms, one minute is not like the other. The coming of Jesus is the fulfillment of the ages. Mark tells us that Jesus began his ministry by saying, he says it in Mark 1.15, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. See, we misunderstand time. Time is not about your watch, my friend. Today may be the time in which God speaks to you to repent and get right with him. And if you refuse, this moment may never return to you again. Time has high points and low points. It has moments of great significance and moments that are ordinary and mundane. We should know the difference. See, Sabbath for Israel was to mean at least three things. It meant stopping from working, remembering the deliverance of God, and understanding that some days are holy. That's how you would get peace and tranquility into your soul. Rest was to be achieved by celebrating the Sabbath, but sin affected even the Sabbath. You see, eventually, the Sabbath became a burden and not a joy. I mean, most of us are familiar with the fact that the Pharisees had turned Sabbath-keeping into a long series of rules and regulations, completely divorcing Sabbath from its original meaning. Some of you actually feel the same way. Maybe you've grown up in a situation where there are many rules around keeping Sunday holy. And some of you are burdened by those kind of memories. And so you reacted to the abuses in this system. And interestingly enough, the Bible seems to end all Sabbath celebrations in the New Testament. So Colossians 2.16 says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. See, the New Testament announces the end of the three Jewish distinctives as being necessary. It is now no longer necessary to demand circumcision of male children, to demand kosher diets, or to demand Sabbath keeping. All of them have ended in Christ. Now, Paul restates that in Romans 14, verse 5, where he says, One man considers one day more sacred than another, another man considers every day alike. 
Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. In other words, your regarding of the Sabbath was a matter of your personal conviction. It's a matter between you and God, not a matter of a definitive rule. So what does that mean? I mean, does it mean that we're now down to nine commandments, that the Sabbath is definitely out? Does it mean we have the right to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week if we want to, until we have lost touch with God, that all of this is a matter of personal conviction? See, in order to answer this, let me say that what the New Testament ended was the necessity of having Jewish distinctiveness. The New Testament opened the door for all of us to come to God through Christ, regardless of nationality and culture. So, uncircumcised, pork-eating, Sabbath-desecrating Gentiles were welcome into the church of Jesus Christ. The only requirement necessary for your salvation was faith, a confident trust in the finished work of the cross of Christ, and a willingness to surrender to him and become his follower. Salvation is about Jesus, not Jewish distinctives. But God never stopped wanting us to enter into his rest. Let me help you to see what is done with Sabbath in the New Testament. First of all, notice how the concept seems to slip into the New Testament language. For instance, the Apostle John begins Revelation, Revelation 1, 9 to 10 this way. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, he says, I was in the Spirit. See, the Lord's day. Now, what did he mean? Undoubtedly, John thought of one day as belonging to the Lord. It was holy. Or listen to how Paul describes early church worship in the book of 1 Corinthians. I'm reading 1 Corinthians 16, 1-2. Now, about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money, and so forth. So the early church celebrated the Lord's Day, and gradually they celebrated it on the first day, that is, on Sunday, most likely because now that Jesus had risen on Sunday, this was the beginning of a new creation and the demand of a new day of worship. So several things need to be said. The Pharisees and Jewish teachers of the law demanded that people keep the letter of the Sabbath law, but in so doing had lost the spirit of the Sabbath law. The New Testament released people from the letter of the Sabbath law, but kept the actual spirit of the Sabbath law. And how was that done? Well, first of all, the actual day, Saturday, was not the issue. It was not important for believers to be Jewish. Now that Jesus had risen, believers could worship on Sunday. But what was important was the Lord's day, one day set aside each week to honor the Lord. So what we have is flexibility, but a flexibility that still keeps the principle of the Sabbath day rest intact. Secondly, the New Testament does not give specific rules around Sabbath, such as defining the true nature of work and so forth. All those details are missing, but the spirit of rest is there. So let's get practical. How do we find rest in a restless world? Let me suggest three principles for finding rest. Number one, Set aside one day each week for rest. Don't work on one day each week. Say to yourself, this is my day of rest. I will not feel guilty for not being on the job. Keep all of your work only to those things of absolute necessity and try to get an insight into the necessary and the optional. God will give you wisdom around this matter as you seek his face. 
Number two, make your day of rest the Lord's day. What I mean is this, make worship a part of your rest. Israel was to remember their bondage in Egypt, and you are to remember your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember his life and death, his cross, his redemption, his grace and love, his eternal promises. If you don't stop to do that weekly, you will forget. That's why we should stop, even when on vacation or when our children have stuff to do. Rest, reflect, worship, and cease from your labors. Make this day different. Go to church on this day. And number three, use your rest day to push the reset button. Remember what time is about. Remember what is ultimately important. Reorient yourself. What do you think ultimately matters now and a hundred years from now when you're gone? Does it seem to you that you are living your life for the glory of God? Take God's example Work six days, five at your job, maybe one around, all the chores and other stuff that you need to do, and take one and cease from your labors and give thanks to God that you were made in His image and glory in Him. John, I can see the wheels spinning right now as people are listening to you. They're saying, you know what, John, I have no choice. I'm a nurse, or I work here, or I work there. I've got to work on Sundays, or, or my kids are involved in sports. Is that okay to be involved in sports on Sundays? How do we help them with this? How do we help them apply it? Yeah, a lot of questions. I mean, first of all, the question of work. And, uh, you know, I think because the New Testament allows flexibility— Because the gospel went into countries where there was no established pattern, therefore we establish patterns that work in the context of our culture. So I would say to that nurse, you find one day and you make it your day of rest and worship. And then the sporting stuff, why don't you just teach your kids to take one day of rest as well and rest even from sports. I know that sounds radical. Make God first. I think that we can learn a wonderful principle in that. I hope that today's lesson about rest has provided you some more insight into the importance and the tradition surrounding the Sabbath. We must be careful to honor the spirit of the Sabbath in our lifestyles and set aside meaningful times of rest and worship. May each of us seek his guidance on how we can apply a day of rest and spend it wisely. Starting this week, let's find time to push the reset button. And be sure to join us again tomorrow as Dr. Neufeld continues week two of our Genesis series. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. Every home depends on God's supply. Back to the Bible Canada relies upon His supply through the faithfulness of our listeners. Thank you for your gifts that allow us to make new resources to help support you in your walk with Christ, as well as sustain our Bible teaching programs. Your support makes this ministry possible. Your generosity allows us to proclaim God's truth. Our families need it. If you wish to support us in a form of a donation, please visit backtothebible.ca or give us a call at 1-800-663-2425 or you may consider joining our 1119 Fellowship Monthly Partner Program and have your contribution to this ministry recur on a monthly basis. To find out more about the 1119 Fellowship Monthly Partner Program and the exclusive benefits you unlock by joining, visit backtothebible.ca fellowship or give us a call at 
2425.